Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. We're coming to you from the boardroom of the Cathedral of the Epiphany Parish here in Sioux City. Just really changing up every, every 1000 week. Douglas Street right here. Here we are. With this portable equipment, we can really record from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Coffee kind of, shops, kind of airports, anywhere. That's not a good idea. It might be too much chatter in the background. Yeah, but it kind of gives the impression of like a live studio Ooh. audience. We could try that. Sometime we go haven't to, done that. Go anywhere. to Hardline Coffee or something. Good shout out to Hardline mm-hmm. in City. <laughs> Speaking of beverages, yeah, you're kind of stepping it up this week. One. Yeah, I just walked over from the. Um, I didn't tell the pastor, Father David, that I took this out of his fridge, but we got a little San Pellegrino Essenza. Is that how I say it? Mm-hmm. San Pellegrino Essenza. Yeah, tangerine and wild strawberry. Ooh, as opposed to the tame strawberries. <laughs> yeah, tame strawberries are Do lame. they taste differently than the wild yeah, strawberries? They taste lame and boring and bland. But, but the wild, wild strawberries taste. There's a zest. Tell us how it is. Is it refreshing? Wow. Does it cleanse great. the palate? It really does. And the tangerine and that wild strawberry just offers just a little bit of mm. sour. Uh, is there a rich tapestry of flavors on your palate <laughs> right now? <laughs> this drink does have a zest of life. How do you say it at funerals? Zest of life? Zest for life. Zest yeah. for life. Yeah. Uh-huh. This, I would say, is giving me a zest for life right now. Yeah. I'm glad you um, have lots of zest in you as we get recording here. <laughs> yes. Father Shane, how you been? Excellent, um, but on the road as normal, as usual, per <laughs> usual, yeah, per usual. Uh, just the the road show continues. Been down to uh, Conception, Missouri, for the Board uh-huh. of Regents meetings, and saw Garrett Hugeback, our seminarian, who's studying down there at the Benedictine Abbey of Conception in Missouri. Then, what do we have? Saturday night was the Sarah Club twenty fifth anniversary mass for the local Sarah chapter. Very, uh, voca- very exciting. Vocations promotion committee named after Saint Junipero Serra. Um, mm-hmm. founder of all the great Spanish missions across California. Nine years of loving care packages at the yes, seminary. Yes, they, they supported you well. Lots of prayers, they care really packages, uh-huh. birthday cards, everything. I just saw Saren when I was praying in the cathedral. Ed, really? Ed, 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 I forget his last name. Ed Wilchin. That's right. Mm-hmm. So he said he's praying for me, which is great. It's good to see him. Good. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they don't forget about you when you're ordained and they keep the prayers Thankfully, going. Thankfully, yeah. They just know I'm a priest now because I wear clerics all over the place. That's right. And then we had the Rekindle Youth Rally, where yeah, you were the host for I the was, Diocesan Youth Rally. I was the host. Nice job, by the way. Thank you. It was a lot. It was, I, yeah, it was one I know, of those days I could when, tell you were running. <laughs> well, and then I helped, as obviously, as you saw, um, with liturgical MC as well. So not just the host for the conference, but then that was, in fact, as you asked, my first time emceeing an Episcopal Mass uh-huh. with, with no practice, which was exhausting. My personality is such that when I'm in the, in the midst of that stuff, it's really exciting and exhilarating. But then I got to the end of the day and... Man, oops! Oh man, I was exhausted. It was just yeah, yeah. But it was it was exciting. Um, I thought it went well. I could tell at the beginning of the day that you hadn't been prepped on all the details of how the day was going to flow. Yes. Every time you took the microphone, um, probably my fault. Probably didn't didn't um, read the schedule know, as as detailed <laughs> as I could. We did just come right off of homecoming week, so there's all sorts of sure. stuff like that, which was exciting and fun too. So you've had a busy weekend. It was good. Yeah, but uh, back at it here. Here we are. So here's the thing. Tell no, me. I don't have any kind of spicy segue for this episode. I could try to make something up. I'm sure the episode itself will be spicy enough. We'll just step into it. Yeah, I've had a few conversations recently 
about uh, reception of Holy Communion. Now, that's a hot topic right now about the mm-hmm. Eucharistic coherency that's going on in the USCCB and politicians uh, receiving Holy Communion. We're not going to talk about that. That's not what we're talking um, about. But in a similar vein, we're gonna. I want to talk about when to and when to not receive Holy Communion as a Catholic. Excellent topic. And some confusion that might be there around that. So, first of all, there's just this general confusion because unless you're an Orthodox or an Orthodox Christian— or um, or a Catholic, a Roman Catholic, or a Byzantine Catholic, you might not experience what some call a closed communion, where only Catholics or only Orthodox of that universal church can approach um, to receive that sacrament. Um, a lot of non-Catholic Christian churches, a lot of Protestant churches, they're, however they experience the, the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, if it's simply a symbol simply just a communal meal, or if they really do think it is Jesus' body and blood, often they just make the kind of baseline um, rule that if you believe this is Jesus' body and blood, come on up. And then... All are welcome. All you see, that's one of our welcome. songs, though. Okay, go ahead. We're Sorry. singing that, and sometimes they don't feel welcome when we're singing that song, and then... Keep going. Let us build a house. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's confusing. So here's the deal. I think the easiest way to just wrap our minds around this in general is we call the reception of the Eucharist Holy Communion. Mm-hmm. So the word communion, meaning union, having union with, we're having union with God in the deepest possible way here on earth, receiving his body and blood, soul and divinity in the Eucharist, in the host, the consecrated bread that we've received at, at Mass, um, and perhaps the chalice, if that comes back mm-hmm. in my lifetime. Right. See after it goes. Post-pandemic. Post-pandemic, yeah. Um, receiving that is being brought into deeper and deeper union with our bodies and our soul with the living God present in the sacrament. Yeah, so right? don't you want that for everyone, Father? I do, I do, I do. But but it's an also, the, the Eucharist is an ecclesial reality too. So you're saying, you're, you're actually coming in a deeper communion with the whole body of Christ as you receive the body of Christ. So become more who we are. But if you're if we're not in union with the church in any other way, um, but then we receive communion, that doesn't just bring us into communion with the church, mm-hmm. right? And what I think is helpful is, especially in the current rite of the Roman Church, when the Eucharist is presented to you right before you receive as a Catholic, the body of Christ, we respond, "Amen, yes, so be it," as the as the translation can can be said. So we're saying, "Yes, I believe this is Jesus' body and blood," but we're saying yes to the whole teaching of the church. So I, Bishop Barron said this beautifully once in a talk. He would never want somebody to lie and say amen when they don't actually mean it. He mm-hmm. wouldn't want to force somebody into that of saying, yes, I believe that this is the body and blood of Jesus when, when they really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, or yes, I believe in everything the church teaches um, when they really don't, right? So to be brought into communion with Jesus through the Eucharist is to be brought into communion with the church. So we have to have a certain kind of capacity to be brought into communion with the church um, and if we're not in a place of openness to communion with the church and with God, then that it, it wouldn't make any sense right. to receive communion. Yeah, I like to remind people that when you're approaching the communion line, when you're receiving uh, the body and blood of our Lord to participate in this Holy Communion as you describe it, you're in communion with all of these people, all these people that you're worshiping with, all the people of you know Catholics throughout the whole world, all the Catholics of of pre- pre- previous ages, mm-hmm. you know previous generations, we're in communion with them, communion in them 
with their beliefs and their practices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not just communion because we just showed up today and we happen to be in the same building. It's not just communion because, well, we all think and claim that we love Jesus. We are in communion in the deepest levels, sharing the same beliefs, the same practices, desiring the same ultimate goal, and having received in communion the same treasury of faith that's been handed down since the apostles. Yeah. Now, Pope Francis says, though, that the Eucharist is not is is medicine for the sick, mm-hmm. not a reward for the kind of righteous. Sure. Right? But I think the, the image that's come to my mind is the prodigal son, right? The prodigal son, when he turns his back on the father and he leaves his inheritance and he leaves his home and, and goes away with his life of dissipation and spends his inheritance, he's turned his back on God, or on, on his father. That analogy is our turning back on, our, on God. And he doesn't have a capacity to receive his father's love because he's not even turned toward him. His mm-hmm. back is toward him. Mm-hmm. But he comes back. And he's still broken. He's still hurting. He's still reeling from the effects of his sinful life. But he's back, and he, he doesn't even want, doesn't even think the father has love for him. And he, but he, but he's turning back to his father. Mm-hmm. That's the best analogy I think for us. If we, if if our life is that of turning away from God, and we've turned our spiritual backs to God, to His church, to the sacraments, to some of the the, the expectations that we have, right? Attending mm-hmm. weekly mass. If, if, if nothing prevents us from doing that, of living a life according to the Ten Commandments, right, of, going, of regularly going to confession, if, if we're turned toward God with an openness, even if we're still struggling through a sinful life, if we're turned toward God with openness, especially through the sacrament of confession, then we have that capacity to receive. But if we're turned away, constantly turned away from him, we don't even have an openness. Right. Yeah. How can he embrace us, like, if we're turned away and walking away? Yeah. Yeah. There has to be kind of your your compass has to be set on the Lord in order for this to be real medicine for the soul. Right. Um, consistently drawing union from God to say, help me on the journey. Be this, let this be food for the journey. As I consistently convert my life, uh, have this ongoing metanoia, mm-hmm. this ongoing repentance and conversion and change back to, towards the Lord. Really not back towards the Lord, but more deeply into the Lord, so to speak. Yeah, and a little history is like we got to a point not that long ago, a few hundred years ago in the church, where reception of Holy Communion was really, really rare. Mm-hmm. There was so much of focus on sin and our unworthiness to receive communion that people might only receive communion once a year. Right. Right? They might go to confession frequently, maybe not, maybe go to confession once a year and then receive Holy Communion once a year. Mm-hmm. But there was that fear associated with it. Pius X, right, he did a lot to lower the age of Holy Communion and to encourage more frequent reception of communion. Right? Even a daily mass, which wasn't a, a, a popular um, practice for a long time. But now we've gotten to this place, especially in the U.S., where it is almost it is so much an expectation to receive communion every time you go to mass, regardless of your state of life, regardless of your experience of sin, regardless if you have your back turned toward God or not, you must receive communion. It's snack time for everybody, It Father. is, and so many people who even realize you know, I'm, I'm living in a way outside of God's plan for, for my life, a, a, a sinful life, mortal sin. They might even have an understanding of that, but they still feel so pressured and so judged if they were not to receive communion that they will then, right, come to confession or they'll then talk, talk to me later and say, um, yeah, and I, and I also received when I shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. So people are so aware of it, but there's so much pressure right. to receive communion, whether you're Catholic, whether you're not Catholic, whether you're in a place, in a, in a state in your life to receive communion or not. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, re- I remind my students a lot 
you know, you don't have to put yourself into a deeper state of sin. You don't have to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly if there's something weighing very heavily on your conscience, if you've stepped into grave matter, grave sin, you can sit in the pew. Mm-hmm. Well, Father, I feel so embarrassed. I'm just sitting there alone because everyone else is going up for snack time. Okay, well, that might be the, actually the, the courageous moment of witness, mm-hmm. a little silent martyrdom to say, hey, everybody, uh, by my witness here, I am showing that not all of us are perhaps always in the right frame of mind or spiritually or mentally to receive. Or you can just go up in line and cross yourself like yeah. a non-Catholic might and just simply indicate, I'm not receiving today. Absolutely. Um, it, really funny one was uh, students at uh, University of Nebraska-Lincoln, mm-hmm. um, I think because they're used to often receiving on a communion rail, they, they don't cross their arms if they don't want to receive and they still want like a blessing or something like that. They put their finger in front of their lips as if they're going like, shh. Sure. So I had I a, have seen I, that. I had a UNL wedding and like the first person in line who came for communion came up with their finger on their lips and I'd never seen this before. So I, I just looked at them and there were masks still involved and I said, the body of Christ. And they just stared at me with their hands on their lips. I'm like, okay, I'll be quieter. <laughs> what is this? You know, shh, father, keep your voice down. But let me just say this. And, and I want to be a sensitive some, here. Yeah. Some practicalities here. Because it's not just about like, well, I don't feel, I don't feel it today. I don't feel worthy, so I'm not going to come up. Mm-hmm. It's really an examination of conscience. It's, am I living in a life of sin that has so separated me from God and I've turned my back to God through my actions that I've not yet turned back through the sacrament of confession, that I need that step first mm-hmm. to turn back. Now, so many parishes have confession available before Mass. Mm-hmm. So few people come to confession before Mass. Right. I mean, we have it a half an hour before every one of our weekend masses, and there are sometimes nobody and maybe sometimes two people. Mm-hmm. And I understand. People are rushing in with their families, and they just got them out of the car. And, I mean, getting the mass on time can be a huge struggle the way it is. Mm-hmm. Likewise, it's those same families, though, don't come to our weekly hour of confession. Now, we've spoke about confession before, so this isn't just about confession. But a lot of people ask me the question because I do Hispanic ministry, they come to a Spanish mass and they see what they never see at an English mass. Mm-hmm. And that is people not receiving communion and right. almost more people choosing not to receive communion than to receive communion. People are scandalized. How dare those people not receive communion? Mm-hmm. Now that's a whole other issue that we could talk about some of the time because a lot of people, they do think they're unworthy or they live their entire lives uh, in, in a marriage that's not, that's not in the church right? Mm-hmm. as Catholics. Um, so there's not always the, the move to, change your life so as to receive communion. But mm-hmm. there is this awareness for most of the Hispanic parishioners I've encountered. If I skip mass on Sunday, if I intentionally skip mass, if I could go to mass and I just don't go because mm-hmm. I want to do something else, I know I need to go to confession before I go to communion again. Right. That's just, that's people are aware of that. People are not aware of that in most parishes. Um, in the Anglo world. In the Anglo world. Yeah. Because of that kind of pressure there to, you must go receive communion. Well, I think there has been a strong emphasis to say throughout recent decades in the church, lean on communion, walk with Jesus, invite him into your life, keep getting Jesus, nurture yourself with Jesus. And there hasn't been that emphasis to say, wait a minute, is my life in full communion with Jesus? Am I really walking as one of his disciples? And I just think there's so many people who live the unreflected life, and we can do a whole Mm -hmm. philosophical episode on that, to Mm -hmm. live the unreflected life with really no concept of where you're where you've been or where you're going but especially the unreflected life in terms of the conscience state of each soul mm-hmm. as they receive communion if you just skipped mass last week 
if there are grave sins in your life that you have chosen freely, mm-hmm. um, well, then you have said, I have turned my back on God in those actions. And it is, it's pretty disingenuous to say, oh, God, we're cool. It's good, bro. We're back. Hey, bro. We're, yeah, we're good. Right, right. <laughs> I'm back. You're cool. I'm cool. We're back. I'm in communion with you again. Yeah. That's a pretty bold statement that I think people unreflectively make all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, gee, I was just a little hungover Sunday morning. I just had to take it easy. I need this little me time. But next Sunday, we're good. We're golden. Mm-hmm. I'm back in communion. Really, are you? Whose declaration is that? Yeah. Because that's not our tradition. Or those who, especially, this is really common at funerals and and Catholic weddings where there's communion. Mm -hmm. People are away from the church, away from a a regular practice of going to Mass for decades. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, Sally, whose funeral is, she would would want me to receive communion. You know, so just, you know, for the sake of, for the sake of this time, I think I'll do that. And no offense to, no offense to anybody who finds himself in that position, because as priest, like the, the judgment isn't there toward, um, oh, I look at all you sinners not receiving communion. No, I, I just wish people would be honest with themselves for the sake of greater conversion. Right. Right. Because we have to be honest with our brokenness, to be honest with Jesus's power to redeem us through his salvation. Right. Like he, he can't save us from, from, from a life of, that doesn't need him. Right. So if we don't think we need it, and, we, and then if we just think the Eucharist is just a nice little kind of experience of, of God's love mm-hmm. rather than the real living presence of God, um, I think we'd be, a, yeah, we'd be a little bit more shocked if, if um, God revealed himself in all of his glory every time at Mass, like in, in a way that we could see with our eyes. Absolutely. Um, we would be freaked out. <laughs> Absolutely. And we would probably not want to receive communion at all. Right. But he's humbled himself so much through the incarnation, but then especially through the sacraments that he gives himself to us in such a humble way um, through the appearances of bread and wine. Absolutely. But truly his body and blood. So that's, that's where the invitation comes and the encouragement for all of us is to really recognize if this is the living and true God. This is the same God who revealed the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai to Moses. Mm-hmm. The same God who died on the cross and rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the same God. How am I approaching that God? It, it, is my back tor- turned toward him in kind of an apathetic um, approach to, to living, um, to an examination of my consciousness, of conscience of sin, or am I turned toward him constantly trying to, to be renewed um, through my spirit, to be renewed through the sacraments of confession, to be renewed in my baptismal call to be um, a beloved son and beloved daughter of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. I often remind students, if if God actually made himself a little bit more manifest than the subtle way that he appears under bread and wine in its consecrated form, if he actually showed his glory, and like maybe the host were levitating off the altar, maybe they were glowing with heavenly light, we would probably run away in fear, and no one would come to communion. Right. So praise God that the the consecrated species actually looks so mundane, so ordinary, because that's actually beneficial for us to want to approach and want to be nurtured by God who is within. Um, if we actually take some time to re- reflect on the glory of who it is that we're receiving, mm-hmm. then that prompts the deeper reflection to say, am I worthy to receive, am I really in communion with this man, this living God who's in front of me in the Most Holy Eucharist? We're never going to be fully worthy. We're always going to be sinners. Mm-hmm. But it at least gives us a moment pause to say, are there grave things going on in my life in which I have willingly turned my back on him? Right. And perhaps out of laziness, perhaps out of apathy, 
carelessness. You know, I'm just, I haven't been in communion with the beliefs of my fellow Christians, my fellow uh, Catholics here in this church, right. in this bigger communion that extends just beyond my parish. If everyone would just kind of take that moment, again, not to put the Eucharist up on an unreachable pedestal, but to take the moment to say, I want to prepare myself more deeply to receive the living Lord with greater reverence and just a greater respect and uh, an acknowledgement that he is present here. And I'm about to be in communion with him most deeply, inviting him to nurture the depths of my soul. If that awareness is there for every, every Sunday Eucharist, these parishes are going to be on fire. Absolutely. You and know? not to end on a doom and gloom note, but just kind of encouragement we got to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Like St. Paul says really clearly, like, if you receive communion, he's talking about the Eucharist, if you approach the table of the Lord, right, like not in communion with him, you're doing more damage to yourself than you are good. Right. So just to check ourselves before we go to Mass, um, how I skip Mass? Am I living in a way with grave sin in my life, right? Um, am I living outside of the church's plan for me? Right. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't find that to be necessarily doom and gloom. Yeah, I mean, for example, if if a friend called you three times and then they texted you three times and you never responded, then they emailed you a couple of times, mm. and then all of a sudden you just show up and say, "Hey, let's go grab a burger." Big hug. Yeah, it's it, like, right? wait a minute, like we haven't been in communion. There's tension. There needs some reconciliation. You have turned your back on me repeatedly, or you're you're just not being attentive to the depths of our relationship here, especially the living Lord who died for you, right? there, That would feel awkward if you just all of a sudden meet this friend who's kind of dissed you moment, uh, time and time again right. and just kind of ghosted you, and all of a sudden, no, we're good. We're back. <laughs> the bros are together again. <laughs> the bros, back in town, yeah, yeah exactly. I, just as a small analogy, like, do we treat the Lord like that when we receive him in communion? Or do we even recognize that he's present in the Most Holy Eucharist? If not... And I think that gives us all a little opportunity to do some soul-searching and maybe some deeper catechesis on the sacraments. Good topic, Father. Check yourself, confession, communion. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.